everybody. Great, great show. We had the one and only NFT statistics, good old Sam, the director of research at Proof Collective, a very talented podcast host in his own right, big time Twitter personality in the NFT space, posting analytics on all the action in the NFT space. We talk about everything analytics related in NFTs right now. We talk about Blur and what impact it is having and has had on the NFT market. We talk about which collections he's interested in, which collections he thinks are set up in a bad spot right now because of blur bid farming. It's a wide-ranging, analytics-based conversation uh, that I think sheds a lot of light on the current climate of NFTs. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The free NFT today, if you go to the nifty.com slash claim, that's T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y dot com slash claim and put in the code Genesis1, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number one, all lowercase on the letters, then you can claim today's free NFT. Hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the NFT Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, and boy, do we have a good show for you. If it's your first time listening, we run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern Time, each and every week, where we discuss all things NFTs, crypto, entertainment, gaming, finance, and just about everything in between. I'm your host, Pio, here with, uh, should have my co-host, Nifty Nick, but he is coming on in just a minute, and he is the funniest man in the business. Signal, of course, the host of Artist Spotlight, the weather reporter, the the weather reporter in residence here at the Nifty, uh, and just the head of the art side of our content vertical. Absolutely love having Signal on the show. Wouldn't be able to do the show without her. Easy, it's Bodega, the dog behind Bodagos. Uh, the host of GMGM Market Talk, day trader extraordinaire, following the market like no other, King Kicks, the CEO of Crypto Raiders, the CEO of Cyber Stadium, their new gaming venture. Uh, I know that that thing's been going well. We'll have a free NFT for that in the next couple of weeks, which I'm very, very excited about. He is a D-Gen trader uh, specialist, though, so we absolutely love hearing his takes on the market also. Clemente, of course, the producer, the man behind the scenes, would not be able to do the show without him. He's also an occasional host these days, and dare I say, he's been absolutely killing it. Hope that doesn't go to his head. He's a new fan favorite. We got Spencer of Spencer Ventures full house today representing for institutional capital. Uh, you know, <laughs> this guy knows a good plushie and he also knows a good party shirt. Love hearing his very intelligent takes on NFTs. Has a bachelor's in economics from the University of Chicago. Last but not least, we have Bunny the host of Down the Rabbit Hole at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday. Show is blowing up. Bunny, your bio just says, no, we're not back. Yeah, you were asking in the title. I just wanted to give you a straight answer. By the way, Spencer, unf- he really unfollowed me. <laughs> There's two things I know. The one thing I know is that Bunny does not like it when people don't follow him. When I was introduced to Bunny, it was on a FaceTime with Easy. And, and Easy just said, hey, P.O., meet Bunny. I did not know who Bunny was. And the first thing Bunny said when he met me was, you don't even follow me, dude. Just without hesitation. That was the first words that Bunny said to me. Uh, I also know that I feel like Spencer really enjoyed unfollowing Bunny. I don't know why, but I feel like that's the case. Am I right about that, Spencer? You're spot on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I forget. There, there is something that happened on Twitter that prompted it. Um, Oh, it was I the ranking. It was Pio's ranking. Pio yeah. ranked Bunny and I on the same tier. And you know what? Of I coolness. Said, I followed. 
of coolness the day that I followed Bunny back. And I said, you know what? I've given Bunny too much clout. Now it's impacting my ranking. And I I can't stand for that. So I had to unfollow him. It was, you know, Bunny, in in all fairness, it was Pio's fault. And it's just a procedural thing. It's nothing about you specifically. Um, you know, I, my hands were tied. I really had to. So not only were your hands tied, Spencer, uh, but I like that little richness that you just added, uh, to your statement by accidentally pressing one of the buttons on your roadcaster. And I, I think you were doing that in a call that we had yesterday that wasn't like, you know, televised. It was just a phone call and you kept, uh, hitting it and we couldn't figure out what it was. So just, uh, you know, mind, uh, mind your hands. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we have a kick-ass show today. We're joined by an ultra, ultra, ultra special guest, and that is, of course, the one and only Punk9059 NFT Statistics, better known as Sam from Proof, Director of Research at Proof, and just uh, all-around badass Twitter analyst, I guess we could say, an NFT personality, content creator extraordinaire. Sam, thanks so much for joining the show, man. What's up, guys? Good to be here. Absolutely. We always love having you on. Um, can't wait to you know get into the weeds with you. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest developments in the Yuga Labs ecosystem and some of the biggest other news in the NFT space over the past 24 hours. Obviously, like I mentioned, we have special guest Sam joining us to share his thoughts on the current state of the NFT market and where we go from here. Today's show is brought to you by us, and we're actually giving away a Bodago's uh, dog list spot. So to enter, comment what dog breed most resembles you, or if you prefer to not dox your visual appearance by comparing it to a dog, then you can talk about a dog breed that resembles someone on the show and why. And so there's a pinned tweet above on the Twitter spaces, okay? So pop onto the Twitter spaces to see that tweet if you're only watching on YouTube. But uh, yeah, if you want to win a dog list, there you go. Clemente's got some pulled up, which is pretty funny. Uh, It looks like Mash already weighed in and said uh, that this picture of a dog reminds him of a dog he saw, or excuse me, it reminds him of Nick. So that's already uh, off to a fun start. And we're going to announce the winner at the end of the show. Things are ramping up for Bodagos. You know, Mint is next month. So we want to, you know, get everybody squared away. That's going to be on the dog list. Uh, So also, if you want to share the show, you can share the Twitter space, but also where the show is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, if you want to share it with people outside of the Twitterverse. Over to Signal for the weather report. Signal, please take it away. Pierre and you guys, you got me panicking inside. I'm like, what dog am I? What dog am I? And the first one that's come to me, I'm going to go with, uh, I love the little sausage dogs, but I don't have a long back. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a yeah, a red fox Labrador. They're like, yeah, they're just Damn. great. If, yeah, if you know what dog I'm talking about, they're just awesome. I'm okay, looking it up. Get, this is good. Let's get into the weather, uh, and while everybody thinks about which dog they resemble the most, GM everyone. Wednesday, the 17th of May. Uh, total market volume is at 31 million, just shy of 32. Blur still taking that majority of that share at 16 million while OpenSea down in the single digits at 5 million. On to leaders, apes kind of steady there at 46.9, just under 47. Mutants holding strong at 10. We predicted that's where mutants would stay for a while while punks are up at 49. Azuki back up to 15th while captains just mooning, just 
boom, nine, trying to head on to 10. Uh, D-God's gap between captains is widening now. There's a 0.4 difference. Uh, D-God's at 8.6. Pudgy's doing well. Back up to almost five at 4.7. Moonbird's holding 2.1. Over the past 24 hours, well, crypto and NFT Twitter, there's a new villain in town. It's called Ledger. That company faced FUD yesterday after tweets and spaces for their secret recovery backup service. For those who opt in, the feature is being labeled as a new attack vector, a backdoor into wallets, and there's a call for the code to be open source. We'll see how the rest of this story plays out over time. On to Yuga. We mentioned at the beginning, Yuga Labs uh, Heavy Metal Evo 1 collection has revealed. The collection had quite an aggressive post-dump. It is down 30, 30% down to 0.9. And at the same time, they also revealed new info for Legends of Mara, including season one coming this summer, battles against an enemy called the Shattered and a global leaderboard with seasonal rewards. Will we be seeing more of that Dookie Dash Millions kind of uh, offers coming in? Let's see what happens over the summer. On to Apple. Apple is allowing Axie Infinity, probably the, you know, the most well-known crypto game. They're actually allowing them into the App Store in select countries. Sky Mavis, the creator of the game, is saying that they're hopeful that Apple's policies will eventually allow them to uh, have in-app purchases for NFTs and linking to third-party market marketplaces. And then lastly, congratulations to YouTuber Giancarlo buys tokens for selling out the 800 Genesis uh, passes for Mint or Skip. The Mint was only 0.08. It absolutely cooked. Nice little 3x up to uh, over 0.3 and has settled at 0.27 ETH this morning. So well done to him and the team over there. And on to crypto, BTC taking a little plunge down to 26.8. ETH holding at 1.8. Solana at 20.5 and 8 at 3.3. Pretty steady there. Back to you folks. Fantastic weather report. As usual, Signal. Some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter you can subscribe to at thenifty.com. You're also going to need an account there to claim today's free NFT. So get over there. What are you waiting for? Thenifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. The SEC confirmed that jump trading helped maintain the value of the failed algorithmic stablecoin Terra Terra USD UST by pr- purchasing over 62 million tokens during its 2021 depegging, subsequently netting 1.28 billion from an agreement to buy Luna tokens at a discounted rate. Damn. A Polygon co-founder, Sandeep, and VC firm Symbolic Capital have launched the Nalwal Fellowship, that's his last name, a $500,000 program supporting 10 early-stage builders transitioning from Web 2 to Web 3 each year. Love that. Love that. That's awesome. The founding members of Supercell, the company behind the hit game Clash of Clans, you've probably heard of it, released a first teaser for their upcoming Web3 mobile game, Army of Tactics. So you got the Clash of Clan folks. Yeah, Kicks, this is big news. This is good. Massive. I mean, Supercell is like best mobile game designer all time. Oh, shit. Really? Whoever their naming agency is, uh, we got to get them on board. I mean, man, like Clash of Clans, like they they really spun (laughs) it off. Just something totally different. I mean, they went back to drawing board and picked a whole new, a whole new thing for Army of Tactics. I mean, where do where do they get this stuff from? <laughs> that that naming, 
<laughs> that naming agency is just printing. Uh, but we had Paul, uh, you know, from from Wildcard come and they, they sponsored the show. Paul and his team, uh, they made Age of Empires. They made Wordle. So you're seeing a lot of these heavy hitters from the gaming uh, industry, the mobile gaming industry, turn to Web3, turn to NFTs. Absolutely love it. Last update, Truth Labs, the team behind Goblin Town, shared two new collaborative NFT license deals for the 187. One holder became a partner in the collection involving royalty sharing, while another holder secured a merch-focused deal sharing in the revenue from the merch drop. So interesting stuff cooking up over there. Uh, that's it for your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Look, we have a lot to talk about. We have our special guest, Sam, here. Sam, just straight off the top, what are your thoughts on you know the overall state of the NFT market? You know, just from a liquidity standpoint, from a from a action standpoint, what do you make of where we're at? Is this the worst place that we've been since call it you know the top of the bull run in twenty twenty two? Man, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it, I, I think it's pretty. It, it's pretty bad I, I, across a lot of the longer term projects. Like if you look at you know, one of the things I like to look at is who are the, like when you get a pump, like Azuki kind of cratered down to about 12.9 and it's since rallied to 14.2. So one of the things I like to look at is who are the people buying? And, and when I look at the top 10 buyers, pretty much every single one of them has sold more than 30 Azukis in the past month. You know, so like the buyers like in all these older projects are people who have already sold a ton and are clearly in it for, I don't know, clearly. I mean, maybe someone sold and is just kind of massaging their position and wants to be long, long term. And it's not just Azuki. I mean, it's true. Moonbirds, Doodles, you know, uh, Bored Apes, Mutant Apes. Like the buyers right now are flippers. And, and that just to me, and then you have this other overhang, which is that all these kind of, I use the term airdrop farmers, but people who... Uh, there's so many NFTs of people who have, uh, you know, who've, who've been kind of in it for the bidding points, but don't want to hold long term. And you just never know when someone's going to dump 30 or 40. It happened on Terraforms yesterday. Yesterday, midnight, you know, Eastern time, someone comes in and dumps 20 Terraforms, 30 Terraforms that they bought from Airdrop Farming three weeks ago. And the floor goes from 1.5 to 1. So I, I just feel like there's too, there's so much of that. Now, if you look at captains, what really jumped out at me was I looked at this metric for captains and I said, all those new buyers there have not sold the captains in the past month. None of them have bought on bids, you know, and that's just like normal, healthy buying, which builds up a project. But I think with a lot of these older projects, there's just too much of an overhang. Doodles and clones both have an airdrop farmer who have, who, who's pump, who's done pump and dump schemes like on Opepin, on beans. We know this guy sells everything. He owns 500 or 400 doodles and 400 clones. Damn. How could you buy a doodle or a clone? You know, it's just, I just feel like there's just too much of an overhang and we need to, we need to clear a lot of this out before, before people will really feel comfortable buying a lot of this stuff. But I mean, you're seeing captains do well. You're seeing miladies do well. Like things can do well in this environment. There's just a headwind for a lot of the older projects. That's wild. As far as like overall liquidity goes, um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, you worked in TradFi for a long time, right? Before you got into Web3 and before you got into uh, NFTs and crypto. Um, overall liquidity wise, what do you think of the current state of the market? Because it doesn't feel that good. But at the same time, I think introducing platforms like Blur and furthering the financialization of NFTs has attracted people that are 
you know, looking to stick around for pure play finance. Do you feel like the overall liquidity is at concerning levels or do you think it's just pretty normal given the cyclical nature of NFTs and crypto? I think it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, we're definitely at a down cycle. If you look at it, you know, I, were, I worked, I worked in traditional finance from 2004 to 2012 and I, I almost compare what's happening more to when I worked at Uber because I, I worked at Uber from 2012 to 2018. And one of my roles, I was the, I was the first employee for Uber in China. Um, and in, in China, we paid people so much money. Like we burned so much money there because part of Travis and like the way that we competed uh, was to incentivize people to do the things we wanted to do. But what ends up happening, like we would, we would essentially make it profitable for someone to give their wife a ride or give their husband a ride. They would make, like they would actually make money doing that transaction. So what happened in China and Beijing and Chengdu and Shanghai is that rides just went through the roof. And every single week, you know, those general managers would get on the all staff call and be like, we did more rides than any, any city in the history of the business or whatever. But none of it was real. Like none of this was people who actually wanted to participate in the ecosystem. They were just gaming the incentive system. And I think like I and I think that you have a little bit of that going on with Blur, where there's just people are getting paid eight hundred thousand dollars per day. I mean, four million dollars of, of Blur tokens, uh, you know, are being distributed every single week uh, to people who for bid points and other things like that. So I just think it's very hard to draw conclusions based on this liquidity, just like it was hard to draw conclusions about like, did we have a real business with Uber when we were paying people to do the things we wanted them to do? So I don't know. If you actually look at the numbers, though, you, you know, unique buyers. Like on Blur, unique buyers are as low as they were their second week. So their cool. unique buyers are down eighty five percent since they started since they launched incentivized bidding on Blur. I mean, they had a huge pump in in unique buyers. But we're down eighty five percent from there. So I don't think like just based on the numbers, like there's as low liquidity as we've ever had when it comes to people who are actually buying NFTs. Um, you know, and the, I mean, Blur's done an incredible job. I, I personally kind of, I like Blend. I'm actually much less critical of Blend than most people. I, I, I kind of, I'm intrigued by that product. And, and I actually like the platform. I, it's the only platform I use to trade. I just think that this, this paying people to do the things you want them to do, especially when those people almost across the board are people who don't want to hold for longer than an hour if they don't have to, and certainly not longer than a month. Like it's ended up just having... I think impacts on the market that just no one expected. I wrote threads about how it'd be good. Like this was the opposite of what I, you're paying people a million dollars a day, $800,000 a day to buy NFTs. This is going to be incredible. But over the past three months, we've had the, the the worst three month period for large cap NFTs that we've had in any period other than Terra. So just something very weird has happened. And that's during a period where macro has generally been positive. S&P 500 is up. Crypto is up. Ethereum's up 10%. Like that's the perfect environment for NFTs is Ethereum kind of trending higher, which is you know, it's up 10% over the past three months. Like, And we've had the worst period for floor prices that we've had other than when Luna collapsed. And it's Spencer, because everyone's trading ordinals instead. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there's other you know, ordinals and, and shit coins and stuff, but that stuff's kind of been flash in the pan. This has been a three month period of just steady down pretty much every single week until this week. We're having a nice little, nice little up this week. And Spencer, well, I saw you unmuted. Do you have some commentary maybe on the blur stuff or? I'm just curious. So you, you, you put out some, Sam, you said some pretty specific numbers of like a $4 million a day, you know, 800,000 per airdrop farmer. Um, I, it's my impression that, 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 that math is not possible to do given they haven't said how long the airdrop cycle is like, how, how are you totally. calculating that math? Yeah. I mean, that's just approximate, right? Like, okay. and, and obviously the, the, the price of the blur tokens constantly fluctuating, but let's say the, the blur tokens, 
let's say the, the blur token is 50 cents and they've said they're going to give out 300 million tokens. That's $150 million. And I'm just assuming it's a six month season, uh, but it could be less. It could be more. Yeah. I think that, I think one of the, you know, I'm in a bunch of, I personally airdrop farm myself, right? Like the only way to actually analyze this stuff is to do it yourself. And I'm in a couple yeah. of discords with other people who airdrop farm. And I, I think there is an issue around like, like I'm a hundred percent loyalty score. Like I'm not like, I think blur is a super interesting platform. I just think, the yeah. results and the data of what's happened since incentivized bidding. And it, one of the big issues, though, the people who I see who are most frustrated are the airdrop farmers because there is this lack of visibility. Like there was this idea that there'd be more points emitted in the first month, which is why Machi went so big in month one. And they're emitting just as many points in month three as they were in month one, probably actually more because you know now bidding is only half of it the other half is for listing and loans so uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot going on there but uh, yeah to, to, to your point spencer no one knows what a point's worth i just have to give my best estimate and what matters most is what the farmers expect and i think it was a reasonable a reasonable thing to say like 6 months 300 million you know it's 150 million dollars over 6 months you know kind of gets out to about 800,000 dollars a day yeah but it could I, be low i mean it could be high too if it, I don't I mean, know, it I, could end up being a year I think I'm, I'm curious your take on this. Like one of the things that I'm most interested in this market is I think people are doing very bad math around airdrop farming um, and expected value of it. And I think like a lot of the airdrop farmers are underwater a lot more than people realize and are also in a position where they're priced into continuing to airdrop farm because they've done math around whatever percentage ownership of the airdrop they want to have. And it wouldn't shock me if it's longer than six months, which like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's, you know, I've been trying to think through the ramifications of um, what happens if the airdrop doesn't meet expectations, and you know, is it good or bad? Like, I, I'm of the opinion. Maybe this is different from you, but I'm of the opinion that the zero percent interest rate loans are going to wipe out a lot of have the potential to wipe out a lot of airdrop farmer liquidity uh, if they go sour. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's all. I, I think you're spot on, though. That like, it, it is people put on way too much risk for the amount that they're getting. You know, I think like, right, like the the consensus used to be that a blur point would be worth like $10. I think now it's on like 2 to $3. And people, you know, you have to bid, top bid for a D-God. You're putting like $30,000 of risk on the table to make like literally $8 <laughs> like it, 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 in bid points. It's, uh, so I, I agree. I think that I think one of the reasons that listing points don't take off as much as bidding points is because I think a lot of it's about the dopamine. I just think it's fun. You sit there, you watch number go up, you get addicted to it. Like, but I, I agree with what you're saying, Spencer. And I'd say some of the most frustrated people who I interact with are in some of the discords I'm in with people who just airdrop farm because they're starting to real like people have lost a lot of ETH. Like Machi has Machi was the most vocal. Because Machi went all out on the first month, thinking that would be double rewards. Turns out, month one emitted fewer points than month two or month three, in all likelihood. You know, and he lost. And I tweeted about this, and I don't like tweeting about people's PL, but I think it's relevant to the narrative that's happening. So sometimes I do, and we're all here in this public space where people can see. You know, that's kind of what you sign up for with with blockchain. And he was down nine million dollars in the first month. Like, there is no way he's making it. anywhere near that much money. The crazy thing to me, though, is that Machi donated $9 million to our to us, to all the people who actually <laughs> held NFTs. Like, the amount of wealth transfer that has happened between, like, um, airdrop farmers and then, like, actual NFT holders is so significant. And the price is still down. 
<laughs> well, I think that that's the issue. That's the issue. I mean, if, who did he donate money to? He gave it to Mando Orsaf. He gave it to one dude who dumped a bag in, in CryptoPunks, and he gave it to Gitcoin to, to the Gitcoin Presents group. I mean, he lost he lost most of his money in those three projects, and in each time, it it ended up like leading to a thirty to forty percent decline in the floor price. You know, I mean, when when he got stuffed with eighty board apes at seventy eight ETH, in my view, board apes became unviable. Because suddenly someone who you know wanted to dump instantly owned 80. I mean, it would literally be like going on to OpenSea and seeing 80 board apes listed at 45 ETH. You would never buy it. Like never. You know, and, and that's that's the situation in Doodles right now. That's the situation in Clonex. I think the same thing happened with punks. Like the minute this guy got dumped with 70 punks, punks literally became unbuyable because you knew that he would dump and the buyers that he would dump into were people who were getting paid to bid. Those people had no interest in holding. So they would, they would dump too. And the good guys, the guys who are good at this game are very good at pretending they're not going to sell or making you forget about them. So they'll hold for a couple of weeks. Cause that's when people get paid to bid. So more people will start to accumulate the bids and you can dump again. And that's just kind of the game that it's become. And I think what you're seeing is people who are like, I want to own a doodle because like in my case, I want to own three doodles because I have three sons. I want I've always wanted to own a Viking, a cowboy. Like I actually want to own this stuff long term, but I'm a net seller. Like I've been selling, you know, and I think people are like me. They're like, I can't, I want to own this stuff, but you can't own it now. There's just too much in the hands of people who are going to, who are going to stealth dump at three in the morning, mm. you know, and it, I, I just think so much became unviable once Machi got stuffed with those apes and punks. And it's, it's taken a couple months to work through it. So yeah. do, do you think though that uh, just real quick the last, last yeah. MPO because I know you want to move on, but do do you think that um, the airdrop actually happening? Uh, so whenever it does, like we, uh, and and maybe it clears out, maybe it clears out a lot of the airdrop farmers, maybe it doesn't. But I think a lot of people, I, I think you probably agree that when the airdrop happens, we'll see a large decrease in bid farmers, right? Um, do you think that that might be positive for price action, or do you think that we're like too far gone? I think we're too far gone. I, I think I think you get an, I think it's going to be negative at first. And then ultimately, you just need people to start to accumulate. Like, you need people who aren't getting paid to bid to buy. At the end of the day, like, you need those people to buy. And I think at that point, you can start to build again. But you're getting a glimpse of it right now on Terraforms. You're getting a glimpse of it on V1 Punks because those projects have gone from 2x points to 1x points. And basically, no farmers are there anymore. And, you know, liquidity is gone. And, you know, people like, you know, so it's just going to, I think like, while I think this has been net, I think this has net had a very surprisingly negative impact on prices, the end of it's probably going to be worse. And I think at that point, that's when you have to start because a lot of these guys are just one dude owns 400 doodles who has zero interest in the project. He, has, he owns 400 clones. He has zero interest in the project. Why do I say that? Because this is the fourth project he's done this with. You know, he, he first went for beans. He then went for a Pepe and he then, you know, he did base introduced. So it's like, you know, 10% of that project. Like this isn't a guy who cares. So you just need that supply to move into other people's hands. And I think that's the point where you can rebid. But it's interesting to watch something like Terraforms or something like, you know, where there's no one being paid to bid. You're getting, you're sort of getting the dumps into empty hands. I think maybe that's where you can start to rebid. But I, don't, I think I think it's tough for a lot of these existing projects. And the other thing we're seeing is just NFTs are super fragile. You know, it's like, it's different from stocks. It's different from cash flowing assets where there's a fundamental value. You know, these things are these things aren't priced based on like I liked my doodle at 10. I've been, I, you know, I sold it four and I'm not buying it too. Why? Because I think that, because I'm not pricing it based on absolute number. I'm pricing it based on my perception of buyers and sellers. And 
when it's all about perception of buyers and sellers, things can get really fragile, you know, and, and I think that's been a criticism a lot of people have. I think they're, they're totally right. And, and we have fewer than, fewer than maybe 5,000 buyers every day for tons of NFTs. It's just, uh, it's tough out there. Yeah. And so you've talked a lot about the metrics that you're looking at on Blur. It almost seems like who's buying is you know, the kind of most important metric to you because you have this one whale that's just farming that's got 400 doodles, 400 clones. So obviously it's a very risky move to buy a doodle or a clone while he's out there. Um, outside of the kind of blur farming uh, metrics that you're looking at, what other key metrics are you paying attention to in the NFT space right now? Or is it is it all blur? I mean, like the thing, like blur, had, like, like blur volumes are down a ton. Blur users are at the same level. They were at their second week. Uh, you know, like they have really done a lot of damage also to their own usership, what they have done incredibly well. And I think maybe this was, maybe this has all been a big W for them and because their goal, and maybe they've done the space of service was to gain market share and to eliminate OpenSea, you know, and I don't think OpenSea is eliminated. I think they have a lot of cash balance and, and, like they can, but but they have become. When you look at the top projects, uh, you know, mutant apes, board apes, Azuki, uh, clone X, doodles, moonbird. When you look at all that stuff, eighty to ninety percent of the share is on Blur. So like, at least for the top stuff, this is the story that matters. Is like, where is the liquidity? Where is coming going? Like, who's coming and going? Like, I'm always looking at how many NFTs are bought via people dumping on bids versus people just buying them because they want to hold them. I think. To me, that's really important because part of my view is like people who buy via a bid on a collection, like don't want to hold long term because back in the day, like when people really liked NFTs, like you would buy because you saw one that resonated with you. And that was something that you kind of wanted to hold, you know, but that, that, can't, that can't really happen with being dumped on for your bids, you know, like it just, you wanted to make it your PFP for a couple of days. You can't even do that anymore because you can't change your PFP if you have a blue check. Like a lot of the things that like used to drive the bull market, like aren't really there anymore. But I think like, when are people buying because they want to buy versus getting dumped into bids? That's something uh, that, that's a metric I really like to look at. Like Azuki had a really nice run from like 13 to 17. At that time, 80% of the buys were people picking their NFTs. It's one of the things I like about blend, like with blend, at least you can get the leverage and then go pick the one you want, you know? And I think that that's a better kind of overall behavior obviously there's tons of risk around that too because of what spencer was saying but uh yeah i mean there's a lot to i mean it's not just blur though i mean one of one art is down a ton art blocks volume is a joke no, i shouldn't <laughs> say a joke it's just our plus volume do you is, look at other gosh. chains at all like the ordinal situation brc 20s solana any of those other chains because that's like where i, I love like a what emerging markets and like that type of area like i'll even look at like avax we're seeing a ton of traction with like nfl rivals and like some of these other key things that are starting to gain some user base that's really interesting to me because I'm, I'm in like the genuine camp that like the past cycle won't repeat itself and the next winner will be someone something that a lot of people weren't expecting almost you know and i'm very curious to see if you look anywhere outside of like eth and some of these traditional markets i do when it like when it like i try to look at stuff that gets that just is getting attention so solana had what was the project called again Mad lads, mad lads, mad, mad lads. You know, Solana had mad lads, and I, you know, for my show, I always like if there's something like I have a daily show that I put out every day, and I always want to like focus on what's interesting, right? So like, mad lads, I did a couple of days on, and you, like you can't ignore ordinals at this point. You know, I, th there are days where where different ordinal projects are you know, top five overall volume. 
Uh, yeah. So, you know, like there, there is other stuff going on. Um, that's interesting. I don't have quite as much like infrastructure set up to analyze it. So it's not, it, it takes me like, I've been building my infrastructure it's a little for bit NFTs. more difficult to dig. For sure. It's more difficult to dig and it also just takes time. You know, it takes time yeah. to like, like right now I have so many different like docs and queries and Python scripts that just like will crank out like information on the ETH ecosystem, which I have to build that for other stuff. So I'd say like my insight there isn't as like, I haven't developed it as much over time, but I, you know, I've got three or four people who pay me every time there's a big ordinal trade. There's a lot of people who really want that space to do well. And I think there's a, there's clearly a very interesting story going on there. You know, there was, there was Canto for a minute and then that kind of Canto faded away. Canto was hot like, for 48 hours, but it was like aggressively hot. Like you saw <laughs> projects go to like three, four, five grand from a dollar type thing. It was crazy to see. That's the hard part, right? It's like people are like Canto going to be the next big thing. I'm like, well, it's not the next. It already is the big thing. People are spending 30 ETH on NFTs right now. You know, like Ordinal Punks are trading at... Or no punks are trading at 100 ETH within a month. So it's like, I feel like a lot of like the massive wins, like Bored Apes, you know, minting Bored Apes or punks in the first year or Chromie Squiggles, like you could get those all under one ETH for a little while. And I feel like right now the market's so quick to go bid something that yeah. maybe has option valued to like 30 ETH that it just feels like those flyers yeah. are harder. Although, you know, people made a ton of money on Pepe. We had like, a week where Pepe, where we were talking about Pepe, it was below 50 million market cap. Like we were talking about it and it's at 700 million now or whatever, like a 12 X in less than a month. Like the opportunities are still there. You just have to, you just have to be early and not be afraid to have missed the first couple of days. I mean, if you were early to Pepe, because Kix's internet is just barbecued. Basically, Sam, Kix is like five minutes ago. So like we're all, you know, right now, 9.39 a.m. Eastern. He's like at 9.34. So, you know, but anyway, I was just going to say Pepe was literally a bigger win than Board Ape Yacht Club if you bought it on the first day and, you know, sold the top. And that was in like, what, a two-week period at most. So that's anyone that said that the wins aren't here. I mean, look at that one. That's crazy. And obviously, Ordinals, you know, we, we do a Bitcoin show. And let me tell you, Ordinals is for real, for real. And there's like a narrative that it's basically saving Bitcoin because it's just increasing activity on the chain um, and like eliminating the fee argument that the Bitcoin skeptics were trying to present for the long term. Kix, did you have a question for Sam? No, I was literally saying exactly what you just said there, <laughs> which is that one of the crazy things about this the space recently has been like, the acceleration of price uh, speculation on things. So like Pepe literally doing what took Board Ape Yacht Club nine months. And that felt super fast. It was like the best, almost like the best trade of all time. And then Pepe, you know, does it in a way shorter time frame. I, th I feel like the market um, is much more willing to price things like to very high speculation values a lot quicker than, than in 2021. Well, I think one thing we're seeing with Blend, you know, and I tweeted about this yesterday. I'm both D-Gods and Mutant Names. On both those projects, the exit liquidity was the first people who bought on Blend. Like with Mutant Apes, they announced that it was going on Blend 15 minutes before the functionality existed. In that period, 60 people bought not on leverage. And then there were like 15 people who bought on leverage and then everything dumped. You know, with, with D Gods, like I think everyone knew that that it was going to be, yeah. So there's D Gods, right? Like those red dots are people buying on leverage. You know, Frank was retweeting blur on friday they announced it on monday so i feel like that trade got priced in and then it was the guys on leverage that dumped i'm sorry it's the guys on leverage that bought and everyone who had the trade on dumped and then things crash and i think one of my lessons there is that like people actually have the eth i think a lot of people who want to put the like i don't feel like people are that short on eth right now like macro has been relative like macro has been 
weird, but the S&P 500's up over the past few months. Ethereum and Bitcoin are up. Like people have been selling a lot of NFTs. Like I feel like right now we're not in an environment where people just have no cash and need and need to sell NFTs to pay their rent. I just think like they're like this supply demand dynamic. There's not enough buyers here. I just I, you know, but when something comes around that's interesting, people have the cash to deploy. It feels like that. I could be wrong, but that's just my sense, given how little blend seems to be opening up new pumps or new people who suddenly want to buy stuff. I think they're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to buy and leverage if it's going to go down. Yeah, they don't want to get wrecked. Uh, no, I think that you're spot on. And, and real quick, I'm going to throw to Nick in a second, who's with us on Twitter. But I saw some of the commenters uh, saying that they weren't aware of your show. So Sam, you do a show five days a week, right? Yeah, every weekday. Nice. And it's uh, it's yeah. on the Proof YouTube channel, like Kevin Rose's Proof YouTube channel? We have our own uh, we have our own podcast. It's called Proof Daily NFT Countdown. And But I on my Twitter, I'm Punk9059, and I pin the latest episode every single day. Uh, so you can see the YouTube there, and then we have a Spotify channel, uh, and I look like a moron. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, you, we have a Spotify called uh, Proof Daily NFT Countdown. Uh, if you want to hear it, like when you're driving to work or whatever. And it, the goal is to make it under 15 minutes, under 12 minutes, and just like a very quick recap with a lot of charts and stuff of what happened. And also to talk about PFPs as well as art. So I, I, just, I try to spend at least half the time focusing on the art market. Well, it's it's fantastic. It's beautifully edited. If you watch the video, you have a great editor over there, very classy work he's doing. And I mean, I, I think as far as like talent goes, you've got to be like the most talented person in NFTs that's spending a lot of time making a video every day. So if people enjoy that kind of content, they should absolutely watch that because not that many people that have legit backgrounds are pouring a lot of energy into doing this every single day. Because it seems like you spend a lot of time on this every day. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, it is, man. It, it, I, I get up at four in the morning a lot of days. I'm, I'm now <laughs> yeah. up to like five in the morning, but it, it requires a lot of research. And then we have a, a woman named Gabby who uh, does our editing and corporate trash on Twitter is the producer. Um, so there are three of us who work on it. And uh, yeah, she, I mean, they're both super talented. So I'm, I'm lucky to have a good team that, that's working on it. But it, it, I heard that Beeple's done an everyday, basically every day for 6,000 days. And I'm just like, Good Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. People. But you guys do it too. You guys show up every day, you know, with, with adrenaline through your veins, you know, you, you guys do it too. Yeah. That, that's because I do cocaine before the show, Sam. No, I'm just kidding. I, anyway. was, it, I said <laughs> adrenaline. Uh, adrenaline was my euphemism. <laughs> uh, Sam, uh, yeah. I was about to call Nick Sam. Nick, you have your hand raised, buddy. First time we hear from you today. Oh, finally, you call on me. Hey, look, we, we still exist here on Twitter, PO, and I'm standing with all of the uh, Twitter people. So you you can hang out there on YouTube. Uh, but the weather over here is quite nice. Um, in terms of uh, real quick, you just called it Kevin Rose's Proof Channel. What is, is that what the company goes by now? <laughs> I mean, Kevin Rose is the CEO of Proof, buddy. But I, I don't I don't think everyone is going it's Kevin Rose's proof. <laughs> so uh, anyways, okay. Um the, there was something uh that Sam said that I thought was um uh well at least reminded me there were a couple well there's uh, a couple of takeaways. The first one though was uh you were like you used to buy NFTs for the way they looked. You know what I uh uh what never feels good though is no matter how good it looks, if the price of it drops in half, like right after you buy it, it suddenly doesn't look so good. <laughs> um, and, and that's been an experience that, that I've had in the past. And that's something that like, you just can't, 
like, I don't know, a lot of these things suddenly don't look as attractive when the price is dropping precipitously. Um, it's, it's harder to get excited about them. And uh, I, frankly, it feels like Blur has kind of like killed that whole element of it. And so instead, it's just turned into a bunch of people who are Blur farming, like you were saying. And as much as market share has been removed, it, it's like it's essentially just put a, a, a stop on that entire market for a, a period of time. If you're an individual, wh- why, like, what incentive is there to be operating in this space other than like oh, the happy. insanely? No. Go ahead. So, what, what, what incentive is there to be operating in this space other than the just insanely rare uh, gains that you can have at this moment? It, but it's so rare. And it was much more common instead to now be buying these uh, shit coins. And it, people are surprised that that had as much traction as, as it did. But to me, I'm like, actually, that makes a ton of sense because you can't buy the NFTs if they're all dumping immediately. And, and the, the people that are absorbing the market, essentially, it's been fully incentivized by this blur farming, which has come in and just wrecked that side of things. So unless you're willing to uh, play with spreadsheets and get into uh, uh, smaller trading groups to figure out how to like uh, farm these things. Th- there's zero incentive, so I, I don't know. I, I and I wonder like what, as much as you look at the numbers, what what can be viewed as the catalyst for things to come back? And I sort of lean now, and I'm wondering what your take is. I lean more directionally towards what Easy is saying, and uh, we, you know we're operating a lot of our thesis. Other than um, we do have NFTs. Uh, an NFT dropping on Solana, and we have one more dropping on uh, Ethereum. Um, although most of it, ninety percent of it, is going to be exchanged for just burning an NFT. Um, so it's hard to say um, that, that that that's based on uh, market dynamics necessarily. But like, w- what catalysts do we have? You you seem to think that it's that people have money on the side and they're just waiting for this to die out. Are we just waiting for blur season end, or is there something else? Uh, wait, easy. What was your what was the thesis that Nick said that, that he that he aligned with with you? Yeah. So well, I mean, it's just I think looking towards like other kind of verticals. Like I mean, I'm looking on these other chains, these other opportunities. Like I had mentioned, like the NFL rivals was really interesting. We just saw iPhone actually allow for Axie to get listed on the Apple Store. So like, there's some big catalysts to me that I think like could get adoption, but it's it's not the ten thousand dollar PFPs. It's more like almost like a volume based thing that could start to transpire. Like an NFL Rivals pack is 8 to $10. So it's like buying a trading card pack. And that feels more organic for like a general consumer participation effort. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 tend, to, I tend to agree that like, I think the, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Nick. I think the ETH ecosystem's in a bad spot. And while, while I say like, I think that there is ETH on the, like there's ETH on the sidelines, that doesn't mean they're waiting to buy NFTs. I think like a lot has to happen before like the supply demand fundamentals get better here. Some, you know, so I, I, you know, I think looking elsewhere or, you know, I mean, like I said, Captain's is a new project. Interestingly, like I think because Captain's enforces royalties, it's less of a hub for airdrop farming. Uh, and I think that's actually in some ways kind of helped it a little bit because you just don't have the same amount of you, you basically can't airdrop farm a project where you have to pay 3% royalties. Like it just doesn't really wrong, work but- with the model. So I think like you're getting like and the, and the other one, like Milady, in the face of all these things, Milady is doing really well. Like I don't think it's impossible. It's just, I think there's a, a pretty strong headwind. The other thing I'd say is like people, 
and what you're saying right now is like, yeah, like I, I wanted to, I've wanted to own an Admiral, uh, a cowboy hat and, and other doodle, three doodles, one for each of my sons, uh, for over a year, there are admirals and cowboys on the floor and I'm not buying them for the same reason you're saying, like, you don't want to, no matter how much you like something, you don't want to buy it. If you think the price is going to go lower and you can buy it cheaper later. So I, I agree with that. The other thing I'd say is every now and then I hear people say like, this is proof that traits don't matter. And I just think that's like a silly take because this is this is just a function of the incentive structure and the economics of the marketplace right now. Right now, people are getting paid, you know, sorry, Spencer, $800,000 a day, could be $300,000 a day, could be $1 million a day. We don't know how much I get paid a day because Blur fluctuates and Blur has not been very transparent about how long the season will go and how many points they're going to make in the future. But right now, people are getting paid, let's just say, $500,000, $800,000 a day to bid on the floor, right? And you can only bid on the floor. So a ton more, that just becomes a vacuum that a lot more stuff becomes a floor because that's where the people are getting paid to bid and that's where the easy liquidity is. So I, I think like this idea that traits no longer matter, like traits not mattering is something that happens when projects do poorly. I think like traits doing well is a function of strong projects, but the economics right now are incentivizing more stuff to become a floor because that's where people are getting paid to bid, you know, so it, it just... The, that's why these traits that I've like that I'm talking about in doodles that used to be kind of mid tier stuff is, is floors now. I don't think it's because traits never mattered. We have we have six years of CryptoPunk data that shows non negotiably that traits that traits matter. Six and years through thick and thin, traits, matter. traits matter. Like I think oh. Captains has done a really good job to show traits matter. But to your point, a lot of that because it eliminates blur, it takes out the ability for the mid rares to I guess not have value. Like we just saw that massive sweep of all non human oh. captains. 72 yeah. hours ago so like yeah, you can I mean, gamify why mid-rares have value people will still be attracted to them yeah and that's kind of a unique case because they're like six tiers and they've said tier two tier three tier four are going to get more meme coin and the, and the main reason on captains right now is because of meme coin so like and if, like there's much less airdrop farming going on on captains so like but even, even opepins right now has actually kind of tiered out every single nft and it's rare that you're going to see You'll see number one and number two get well, dumped on the floor, but you're not you're not going to see three, four, five, six get dumped on the floor that much. You know? So I think when they're explicit, yeah. Sorry. This this is even then more just validation counter to like the, the captains then with enforced royalties. Uh, from my understanding, then means that like essentially the the thesis is there. Like Blur is just fucking killing the entire market, other than the, this like select group of people. The concept, there was a thesis there for a moment, and I remember Spencer as well um, mentioning something about it, that you want your uh, you want your NFTs to be, well, there's a distinction between two things, and I want to be clear about this. You want your, your NFTs to be tradable on uh, Blur, but you don't, but you still want to potentially enforce royalties. Like if it's easier to sweep on Blur, cool. If it's a user experience thing that makes it easier to buy it, then okay. But other than that, it it, it 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 I'm just hard pressed to understand why the hell anybody would actually be bullish on Blur at this point, other than to prove the fact that OpenSea can have market share removed, but it's done in an artificial way, which is not incentivized the real part of the market. Take take it or leave it as whether or not you say this is the real part of the market that uh, that the extreme speculators. You could say we're all along the main part, but we've just seen a destruction of the total number of wallets that are operating in this space simply because they can't, people can't operate in this space as a result of it. Yet Captains is a weird, is one rare um, sort of shining uh, example in this space 
where if you enforce royalties and you say fuck blur, that appears to be, well, you can have uh, a properly structured market and you're not victims of that space. But like how many collections now that didn't have enforced royalties are, are sitting there and saying, yeah, I'm really happy about blur. The, the, the only thing I'd say, like, I, I, like one, I, there's more to it. Like, Captains has everything going for it. Like, they have an upcoming coin. You know, Ray is just a killer. They have nine gag. Like, they're, they're in Hong Kong. There's unique factors, right? There's unique you know, factors. And, yeah. And Azuki, I mean, Azuki's been flat over the past three months. Azuki has everything going for it, but they haven't gotten beaten down like everyone else has. Like, Milady is in heart of blur because they're the first blend and they've done well so i think it can accelerate upside moves but broadly speaking i think incentivized bidding has been a headwind for almost every project i think it's it's led to a transfer of supply from holders to to flippers i think when real buyers see flippers on a ton of supply they stay away so i think it's kind of just against my expectations i think it has made things very difficult it, it, again i go back to that uber analogy like was uber china a bad product no it was it was a great product it was just i, I don't think the proof of concept is there and i'm looking forward to i think blend is interesting and you start to see interesting dynamics take off after the airdrop farming gets removed which is what happens after day one when all the airdrop farmers dump their loans like i think there's interesting stuff happening there i just and i, I just think against people's expectations these uh, incentive structures have made things much, people say more efficient. I have no idea why paying people to bid on stuff they don't want is a, a sign of efficiency. Like that just makes no sense. Like I just think the incentive structure, I think they've done good things and created competition and, and a unique user interface and interacted with their users a lot more than any other platform. But net net, I, I, it's very hard to, to read the good from the bad when this incentive structure is so distortive and it's not speculators. Like I know people used to trade NFTs all the time. They're not playing this game. It is a very unique person who is, who is airdrop farming. And it's, it's not really the speculators of days of yore. Like the guys who were flipping NFTs a year ago, like they're not the guys who are airdrop farming. Bro, I mean, maybe Spencer, uh, but you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, there are a few people, but I wouldn't say like the big flippers, the big NFT guys. I, I do think this is kind of a new group of people who come a little bit more from DeFi, who crypto are, are the ones who are, who are, who are the main players here, but I don't think they're going to be around, you know, as when these incentives wear off. So what, so, it, but isn't, I feel like the debate has been concluded on, you know, when Blur came out and, and there was like people being like, this is good for the space. This is bad for the space. The conclusion is it's bad for the space. It fucked over the average person who was participating in NFT trading. The floor prices holistically are down. And I'm not saying that Blur is singly responsible for that. But at this point in time, I'd be totally glad with Blur going bye-bye because the user interface doesn't like everyone's like, oh, I prefer the user inter interface. I don't know where the hell that's coming from because I still view it as complicated as shit. Call me a a, 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 a boomer. boomer. I like I like my OpenSea interface. Okay, and so I just think that it's like uh, the 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 debate has ended. Blur has been a disaster for the space. It's made a few people rich. A lot of people have lost money on it. What like why do we need it to stick around? And what like who's interested the, the, when you're talking about the quote unique character that's in the space at this point in time it's like we got a bunch of like it's like being like we got a bunch of quants in the market no one's like man i love me some quants in the market like there's no one there, there, there's no one that's like yeah that that that's fun when i'm getting like raked over the coals on my trades by someone who has uh, an information advantage and is out there like uh you know collecting 
uh, efficiently all of that information so that they can trade more efficiently. Whereas like me just trying to trade on vibes and seeing, you know, like the, the, the overall uh, system of the market or like sort of vibe of the market, it's way harder to do that at this point in time. And so a lot of people leave. So how's that good for NFTs? And I just feel like it's not like Blur is killing the overall uh, uh, like fun that existed in the market is now gone. So like I for one can't wait for that market to like that that season to end. And I don't know how many people are saying like, yeah, I, I, I'm loving this part, part of the market. I just don't see that it's there. I, I, I personally, you know, I take a little bit of the opposite. I, I think that Blur did one of the best growth hacking Web3 campaigns of this uh, decade. I think their, their growth hacking model is something that a lot of other uh, smart projects launching in the future in Web3 are, are taking a close look at. And yeah, I mean, you can say, you can say Blur destroyed the market, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, it's like D-God's price is fine. Azuki's price is fine. Captain's price is fine yeah three um, collections that are, that are fine and no and, and so like how many yeah, but have you gone to a comic book store and there's three brands of i mean there is really dc comics and marvel <laughs> comics, but <laughs> nice analogy jackass <laughs> but, I mean, but like, in my personal opinion uh i i feel like uh before blur everyone blamed botters you know what i mean it was like ah oh, people are are whitelist farmers like there's always a there's always a person to blame when things aren't going well, but I've, I've made less trades in the market because I think NFTs are just off cycle right now. But like when blur was around, I've, I've made a decent amount of trades and I don't think any of those trades uh, were like negatively impacted by blur specifically. I mean, yeah, I think like there, there's definitely some, some uh, you know, like what Sam laid out there, there can be some negatives to the model where people, are just trying to form the token and have zero interest in the NFTs that they're holding and zero interest in NFTs in general. Maybe I, I, I'm sure that is happening to an extent. And I, I've had mixed feelings on, on Blur before, but um, I still think that they did a, a massive job growth hacking in the space. They're the only marketplace other than OpenSea that has gained share and then maintained share. I personally like their platform. I think what they're doing with Blend is innovative. They've only been around since what October? Like, I mean, like you know, they can make changes to season two. They can make changes to season three. Sam, I don't know if you saw, but I also think that they maybe banned someone that was doing some wonky stuff with the farming recently. One of the top farmers. Yeah, they banned one guy. You know, and, and people don't know why, but I think that was because I think what that guy actually did was he wash traded punks. There was a time where a lot of people, because there was zero zero fee, people were wash trading punks. And what that does is it means that punks get a higher percentage of blur points than other projects. I I think it's important with this conversation to not say blur is good or bad, right? Like blur launched in October. Blur sucks. Blur, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, Nick can say it, but I'm not going to say it because <laughs> these are like those are the people that just that I have found uh, just destroy me. But like, uh, Blur has been around since October, you know, and they led to a huge pump in prices. But it, they, but but the you know originally right, like it, it led to a pump. But I think my my view is more just like incentivized bidding has against all odds created a massive headwind for projects. I think Azuki has had everything going right. You know, they've had billionaires sweeping basically 
weekly. They've had trades at 200 ETH. Uh, they have an upcoming event, which probably has an airdrop, and it's one of the most like brands in the world, and mainly in Asia, which is where a lot of the whales are. Like they have everything right, and the floor price is down over the past three months. Like it's it's just a it's just created a headwind, but I think it's incentivized bidding as opposed to Blur. I think there are a lot of decent things about Blur, and there, there's no question here. There's no question that Pac-Man has put on a masterclass, right? Like he he has. He, he's somehow gotten the DeFi community in the world to give him a $1.6 billion valuation. He got all the right investors on his side. He, you know, they originally used, used 0% royalties to create a huge advantage over the rest of the world, but they somehow got tons of market share, used this coin to maintain market share. And Pac-Man has just been ruthless. He's been aggressive. He's listened to his users. And you can't argue that he's put on a masterclass for someone who wants to come in and disrupt a monopoly. Disrupting a monopoly is incredibly difficult. And prices did well for their first three months. Like what I just, the one thing I have just been perplexed by, and, and it happened also with punks. You know, it happened first with apes and pretty much every project other than a couple. And then it happened with punks, the exact same model, which is incentivized bidding starts, price goes up for three days, and then it has the biggest dump that it's basically ever had in the history of entities. So I think like that, I think that model at this point is hard to argue that it is a pretty big headwind. And I think I, projects like D gods have benefited from being late, you know, um, because at that point it wasn't like the blur system. It was that Machi big brother basically got fished you know he got fished into putting in i mean machi big brother lost 1.5 million dollars on these trades these were not good trades for him but that's what set off the the tailspin lower and i think people had learned from him by the time d gods came around and you didn't get this huge transfer into the hands of, of bidders and stuff like that so i don't know, i feel like that i think the platform i personally use the platform myself i just think incentivized bidding has been a, a pretty strong headwind that can be overcome by the projects that have everything going for them but it, it does like in a neutral state, it just kind of cranks in slower. Well, I'll, we'll see how it shakes out. We got to go to Signal here. I was just going to say, I view Pac-Man as like a Mark Zuckerberg type in this space and actually probably the number one business operator and founder in the space. It kind of hit me all at once. You know, I found out he dropped out of high school to be a software engineer in San Francisco at like 17. I was like, okay. Then he went to MIT and dropped out. Then he did a Y Combinator startup. He got like an exit. I was like, this guy's 24 now and he disrupted a monopoly. Like you said, I'm like, oh, wait. So, so this is like the number one guy in the space right now. This is crazy, but we got to hear from Signal. But Sam, here, quick comment before we go to Signal. Uh, I was just gonna say, he, yeah, I worked very closely with Travis Kalanick, right? Like I was, I was the first yeah. employee at Uber and launched Europe and Asia for Uber. He had like the level of intensity and just sheer competitiveness, like the sheer competitiveness of uh, and just absolute diehard ruthlessness. But also, there's a genius that goes with it. Like there's an intensity that. And I think it, it, I see parallels there. I, like I, Zuck, I didn't see that quite as much that competitive side. I just thought he was aggressive, but like with, with Travis, he hated the competition <laughs> in a way that I thought I couldn't even understand. And I kind of see similar similar things. That guy like got kicked. Didn't that guy get like you know uh, canceled? Kind of Travis eventually. No, not Maybe. even kind of man. He got destroyed. Man, oh, okay. the, whole, the, whole, the whole management team like got got removed. It was brutal. Like, <laughs> we, we got we got annihilated by that. <laughs> I was sorry to bring up bad memories. Uh, signal. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree with, with everything that's been said about, like, saying the blanket statement that Blur just killed 
the entire market is a bit sort of maybe too car- too far conceived and is more like headwinds and specifically across the PFP market as well. When you look at the art side as well, that's completely been decimated uh, and that isn't necessarily all being traded on blur. Like Sam, in your research, a couple of things, it's like one, uh, why do you think the art side of the market has been decimated even though it hasn't been uh, bid or listed on, like, on blur as much as the PFP side? And two, like given, you know, a lot of people take the thesis of, like digital art blockchain provenance it's a no-brainer where do you think the opportunities are like in certain collections be that grails or uh other collections where you think okay there could be value on the digital art side because we cover the pfp side pretty extensively yeah I, th- I think i think and it's a very good it's a very good point right like for some reason like looks rare couldn't even sort by price you know, when they launched, but they could sort by art block. Like you could buy if it ends on, you could buy if it ends on looks rare, but you couldn't even sort by price. So I have no idea why, why blur still has not figured out how to allow people to trade art blocks. Like it makes no sense to me. Um, that said, yeah, I, I think, I think what ended up happening, like the overlap between art blocks and PFP, people lost so much money on their PFPs. And I just think that that felt like from, from February 16th to now, like prices have gone down so much that I think people just were like, there's way too much supply of art blocks. There aren't enough buyers. And at the margin, you know, not that many art blocks trade, like something like 95% of Chromie squiggles haven't traded once this year. But I think the incremental person who's selling, and I've been selling a lot of my art blocks too, just because I saw how quickly you can lose money in PFPs that I'm just like, I saw, I saw how quickly these things can erode in value that I was just kind of like, you know what, I want to get out. And I just don't think you had a lot of incremental buyers because people were, there was just, people were losing so much money in the space um, for being long NFTs. So you saw weakness in, I like I, said, I I sold most of my when I saw this dynamic coming a month and a half ago like I just started selling stuff I'm like this I'm gonna be I'm gonna get a chance to buy things cheaper uh, in a couple in a couple uh, in a, in month in a few months but right now this is gonna be a negative environment so that's my read but there, there's I mean look there's so much supply of NFTs and not a ton of buyers like I, a lot of people who criticize me the most are just like saying like this is just a sign that NFTs were overvalued like. I think there, I think there is some some truth there. If you look at the amount of money relative to the amount of buyers, and I think that filters into our blocks and and one of ones as well. And Sam, you know, I was talking to a, a or you uh, signaled. Do you have a follow up question for Sam? Yeah, no, I was going to say I completely agree on that. The price that it was overvalued, but I do think at some point prices will go lower, but there will also be opportunities to buy great collections, especially on the art side, less on the PFP side. But I really do believe there'll be opportunities to buy great artists, great collections at better prices. And whatever time period we, we face, be that 12 to 18 months, 24 months until the next cycle comes around. I just think in moments like this, you'll, you'll be looking back, kicking yourself, being like, I could have picked up X, Y, Z for mm, in an environment that uh, kind of like wears you out. I was speaking to uh, a Sort of big collector investor yesterday, and he used to work in TradFi, and he was saying, he's saying, I've done so many bear markets. And the thing about bear markets is they don't scare you out; they wear you out. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what they do. They wear you out to the point where you don't have conviction in whatever asset class you are in. Uh, but guess what? Twenty-four months later, that asset class comes back and it's roaring. So, completely agree with what Sam's been saying. Yeah. And and Sam, you know, Elio Trades, who we, you know, he's a friend of our show. He tweeted out something that I thought was really interesting. He said, NFTs can only surge after ETH has made a new all-time high. He wrote a thread. He pointed it out with data. What do you think of that? Um, I don't know. I haven't read it. You know, I I, like, I find like people, 
I think people often blame me for NFT price movements. And I think there's almost no data to back that up. You know, like if you, we've had a bunch of different phases of ETH versus NFTs, like there have been periods where ETH going down was good for NFTs. There have been periods where ETH going up is good for NFTs. Like it's, you know, like the biggest crypto punk rally was during, you know, in 2021 was during a period of ETH going up and NFT prices going up is, you know, so I, I think, I think like this point here of like, we just need more interest in the space and ETH going up is a signal of that. I think, I think there could be truth there. Like the one quantitative analysis I've done on this is not like the most insightful thing, but it basically found that if ETH goes up more than 15% in a week or down more than 10% in a week, that tends to be a bad environment for NFTs. Like huge moves in ETH tend to be bad environment. The best environment is ETH going up like zero to 8% in a week. Like you just want ETH grinding higher. That tends to be an environment where NFT prices do well, but we don't have a lot of history in the space. Like it's very, you know, board apes have only existed for two years. Yeah. Like it is, it, it it's hard to be super conclusive about any of this stuff, but my general experience historically, like you just haven't wanted ETH to go up 15% and you really haven't wanted ETH to totally dump. Like when Luna or, you know, when Luna goes down and people like just get me my money back so I can pay my rent, that's the worst environment. And then the other bad environment is huge upsurges. But we've recently been in what has historically been an okay environment for NFTs, which is ETH kind of not super volatile and grinding more or less higher. Yeah, and Sam, you know, you've pointed out some uh, projects that you view having issues right now because of the activity on Blur. Are there any projects that you think are are primed, you know, to do well over the next three months? I mean, I think like I think I mean it's hard to argue. Like it's hard. It's not controversial. It's hard to argue with what Captains is doing right now. You know, I mean, I think that's like the one project that's. I mean, the only ones that are doing well are Captains and you know. Uh, captains and milady you know and i think they both have kind of like their unique buyers and, and one thing I, I have found is this is a whale game like the whales have been the ones that have saved projects and i do find like the azuki whales a lot of those guys have moved over to captains like have shown a ton of interest there you know i think azuki's interesting i think d gods are interesting but like when i look at kind of what i see under the surface is who's buying and selling neither of those get me excited just because i just think they're too many too many short-term traders that have been putting on trades for those projects. So those, those make me, those give me a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more hesitation, but net net, I have not been like, I've not been trying to snipe NFTs here, but it's, it's kind of a boring answer. <laughs> no, it's anytime I need to come on the show, I need to have, I need to have like a 0.5 ETH project that I'm out here like pumping. Well, Sam, so, so you're, you're often very bearish, right? But, but what is like not a always. bullet? Not, not always, bearish the past lately, lately, you're bearish. What is, like, like, construct for a moment, like, what is, if in, in the next six months, like, if you, if things turn around, like, why is it? Like, can you construct a potential bullish narrative? I like that um, question. I like that question. I, if I start to see, like, new wallets come into the space, like, I think as long as it's the same group of people kind of trading back and forth, um, I, like, I think that it's hard. I think if, if we get something external that gets people interested in NFTs, I, I still kind of like Chromie Squiggles and Punks. Like, to be honest, like punks actually don't trade on like the average punk on blur trades 40 times, but not that many times, not that many punks trade on blur. Like there's like literally one new punk trading on blur every week. Like people are just, it's not really providing the market with that much liquidity. It's still like more punks trade on Larva Labs than, 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 than on blur. Like I can, I think like Chromie squiggles, punks, like these projects, I think kind of probably have some of the best historic stories in the space. You know, I think like as things turn around, I think they could there's not, a, I don't think they have the same overhangs. And I think those could get mildly interesting. Someone just dumped like 30 punks yesterday, though. So I don't know who's going to buy those, you know. But I, 
if we can find a way to start getting more buyers back in the space, just like new incremental wallets, I think that is like the most important thing to watch. Like, are, is there something from the world that that brings more money in? You know, and that those are the metrics that keep going lower. If you start to get that, I think that's net net a positive. I also think like once I think we just need to wash out a lot of these traders, like these people who don't want to hold these things and literally own 500 of them. You know, I, I, I think when you get those washed out, you're going to get a dump. But I think that's when you can rebuild on a lot of the new projects. You know, so th th that's kind of what I'd be looking for. And I think maybe looking at like V1 punks, Terraforms, like some of the ones that move down to 1x points are some of the more interesting ones uh, to track to see like, are they getting kind of a washout where, where people are giving up and you can kind of transfer to a, a holder base that actually wants to hold it? No, look, I, I love that answer. Very realistic response there from Sam. Uh, fantastic perspective today, Clemente. Let's drop this free NFT. What do you say? And then we'll uh, we'll you know see if Sam has any closing thoughts. But Clemente, what is the uh, the code for our free NFT? The code for today's free NFT is Genesis One. Password is Genesis One. So head to the nifty.com slash claim. Enter the password Genesis One to claim today's free NFT. It you missed the opportunity to uh, make that code ledger shares your secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we missed that one. Uh, we definitely got to do it. Uh, but we do have the CyberDog Genesis NFT, the first NFT in the CyberDog 4269 collection. This collection takes place in the year 4269, where CyberDogs are trying to navigate the dystopian reality that has been set forth in front of them. Uh, so you can join Buddy on his thrilling escapades through this cyberpunk landscape where dogs and machines coexist in a delicate balance. Uh, let's hope Buddy can can get through this one okay. Uh, and we'll have to definitely make one uh, to commemorate NFT statistics coming on the show. So we'll drop that at a later date for sure. Uh, Sam, you know any any closing thoughts? We've talked about a lot of different stuff today regarding the market. Obviously, Blur kind of dominated the conversation. Any closing thoughts? Uh, you know, here before we let you go. Yeah, just thanks all for having me on the call. Like I, I'm always self conscious because I end up talking. I end up talking so much. So oh, thank no. you guys for having me on the call. I would say, dispense point, I'm actually not bearish on NFTs. I've I've devoted my entire career to this space, right? Like, they, and I, I think for me, a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of the, what got me excited was during the bull market, I was in these chat rooms with, with traders, with real speculators and traders and seeing how they got connected to certain NFTs and how they love different traits and how those were the things that drove the bull market. Like I saw how people acted, you know, where you'd switch your PFP and be upset. I, I just saw what created kind of a situation that we had those rallies. And I feel like those are the things that we don't have anymore. So like, but I would not mistake what I'm saying for being bearish on NFTs. Like all my friends think I'm crazy for devoting my career to this space. My family doesn't get it. And I'm sitting here every day talking about it because I, I, I just, a lot of the things that got me excited, I think are less there right now. So it, it makes me wonder who the exit liquidity is, right? Who at the end of the day, when these guys trade and loan and speculate and do all those things a hundred times, like who's the person at the end of the day, who's going to buy 5,000 of these things and give you the exit liquidity. I think a lot of the things that got people excited about that stuff like that I saw during the bull market in the discords and everything where people were showing off with it, like this new thing they had and flipping stuff and, and like, you know, because they wanted to make ETH, not because they wanted to make an airdrop. Like, I just feel like a lot of that, like I get more bearish when I see that type of stuff, not as present. And that's kind of, you know, so, th th but I would definitely not say I'm bearish on the space at all. This is what I've devoted my career to. And I think like, it's, yeah, it's always, and the other thing I say is I love this show, man. I, I, I try to listen to it every morning. All of you guys bring like definitely the best, the best energy in the space, the most diverse views. Signal crushes that weather report. Oh yeah. Damn, Signal. 
There are like six weather reports in this space, and you're you're like a ten. Everyone else is a five. So I try, I try to get those numbers in for you. You know that I just got to get those stats going in there. You nail it, but you got to do blur prices because a lot of times you're you're pulling from OpenSea, and those prices are are like are like basically a bow and arrow blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll start doing that for sure. I did not know there were other weather reports. That's bullshit. We're gonna have to sick signal on them. She'll just come through kicking people in the face. Uh, can't wait to get that organized. They didn't go to the school of meteorology though. The uh, signal went to though NFT meteorologists. Uh, she's a professor there actually at that school, so she's training others. So the other weather reporters never saw them in class. Exactly. Never saw them at the. At, they didn't show up. <laughs> Go back to that. Wait, Did gonna, I post that <laughs> image publicly? I guess so, unless somebody hacked you. So, ladies and gentlemen, oh, we do have to give away our dog list. So, apparently, uh, an image leaked of Nick implying that he's going <laughs> to chug quite the large bottle of wine. That's what's happening here, Nick, I'm assuming. That's a massive bottle. And somebody equated it to a pug that is holding a, a nice, uh, you know, a stemmed glass of wine with a bottle. I like it. Uh, Clemente, do we have a winner for today's dog list that we're giving away? Yeah, we, we have. We It's between this one and I'll pull up the second one here. Um, so we're choosing yeah. the winner right now. We're choosing the winner live on the show. Uh, so it's either Nick drinking. The, and these are my, again, I picked them. So you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll do plenty. Drinked. Of second one. <laughs> or this one. This one said, oh, Nick is above and then I'm below. For the physical resemblance. This is biased. Look, there's people posting great pictures here that have nothing to do, uh, you know, with with me and Pio, you know, and I feel like they were well, you, very cute. You pick I one. Like the pug. I like the pug. Well, uh, which which one's the pug? The, was the it first our one with the, the wine? One. Okay. I think that's our winner. That's our winner. Our Everyday Earth at Everyday Earth. You just won yourself uh, a, a dogless spot, right? Easy, a dogless one. Yeah? Yeah, guaranteed dogless spot. Yeah, so that's dogless one uh, right after the portal individuals. So that is an allocation that'll guarantee that's a you. guaranteed mint. mint. That's a guaranteed mint, baby. Let's go. Our Everyday Earth. Congratulations, Everyday Earth, on winning. Uh, we will reach out with that dogless spot. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you follow Sam at Punk9059. That's NFTstatistics.e, the director of research at Proof. The podcast is called Proof Daily NFT Countdown. That's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. You can watch the video version which is wonderfully edited for real it's uh if you appreciate that kind of stuff it's a high production value youtube uh you know production and that's on kevin rose's proof youtube channel right nick right is not the channel is not what it's called um sam anything else people need to know about you anywhere else they can find you it's just twitter yeah thanks guys just Twitter. Uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Our show is also available on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. And big shout out to Sam for joining the show today. We will catch you next time. See you later.